Janie Foote from the Journal of Family Planning and Reproductive Healthcare. Today I've been at the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynaecologists at their International Women's Day, Friday the 3rd of March. I've been speaking to some of the people who were giving lectures and I'm just about to speak with Dr Edna Asprey-Ward, Senior Lecturer at the School of Social and Life Sciences, Glyndwr University in Wales. Edna spoke about the effect of unintended pregnancy and abortion on mental health and well-being and it was a fascinating talk. I'm going to ask Edna to say a little bit about what the key points of her talk were and what she was trying to get across to the audience of um, 250 plus people at today's meeting. Edna, say a little bit about your talk and what you were trying to, to convey to people. Thank you, Janie. Well, today I hoped that I hit the um, middle line, as it were, and that I projected the voice of the women above all else. Um, I used the words of my participants, and I also drew on my experiential work as a nurse for 30 years in sexual and reproductive health. The aim of the message today was that abortion does not cause mental health issues. Um, and you were drawing upon some quite well-established research, a particular report you actually mentioned. Yes, in essence, the presentation that I gave today was a distillation of many weeks uh, of reading and researching and looking at documents and research reports, many of whom hold positions and a number of which are conflicting. And the document that I drew to the attention of the delegates today was the um, um, Academy of Medical Royal Colleges document, Induced Abortion and Mental Health. And it is a totally impartial document. It's a lengthy document document 252 pages um, but I would recommend that anybody who's looking for impartial really excellent overview of the work that's out there on abortion care to take heed of this. So it's something that's well worth reading to give some, some background to the side of abortion care that perhaps isn't always in the forefront of people's minds but is incredibly important. Um, your, your talk was interesting because there were both positive and negative um, women's reactions to having abortion but the overwhelming feeling that I got the impression that you were conveying was one of relief. Yes. Um, many facets of it but relief was there in, in probably all cases. Yes. Without doubt and without exception relief was the overwhelming feeling that women expressed after abortion and their degree of distress and anxiety was heightened in the weeks and days prior to the abortion process taking part. And you mentioned um, that I had talked about the positive and the negative elements of abortion. And I think that we've been in the past a little afraid to actually acknowledge that women do have what we have previously brushed under the carpet as negative emotions. But I think that it does a disservice to women to not accept that they do have transient negative emotional responses to a stressful life event and why wouldn't they? It is a particularly difficult time in their lives and we have to acknowledge that and not acknowledging that women suffer with grief and to some extent regret that's not about having had the abortion but having to have made the difficult decision does a disservice to them. Exactly, and it's feelings that will come and go, will reappear at a later point, perhaps unpredictably so, throughout their lives. It's a decision that stays with them. I got that impression. I think so. I think it would be trivial to say that women forget having an abortion. I think that any woman you speak to remembers that they have an abortion, and they may remember that abortion positively. 
they may have become a completely different woman afterwards, gained control of their life, moved on, achieved the goals that they wanted to. So they may reevaluate their abortion positively, but equally, given different sets of circumstances, and they may reevaluate having made that difficult decision and wished it could have been made at another time in their life. But unequivocally, they didn't regret the decision that it was the right thing to do for them at that time. And of course, we're not talking about a small number of people here. I think the statistics were that one woman in three will, will have an abortion, and, and of course, some more than one. But it's, it's, it's a, something that affects many, many women, and many today still do not speak about it. Indeed, and that's been my finding both as a nurse and as a researcher, that the layers of stigma that they have felt that have been enacted upon them by others, in the main other family members or friends, and unfortunately in some cases by us. You mentioned research there. Um, is this an area that you're actively researching now? At the moment, yes it is. I'm going to be looking at disenfranchised grief within abortion, which is a particular interest of mine, and it relates to allowing women that voice to be sad, because not letting a woman be sad, it does her a disservice. So I'm looking at the reasons why women feel they oughtn't to grieve over their abortions. And often it's things that um, they feel that they have to hide the dark side of their nature in a way that they can't talk about even to their nearest and dearest. And not having those deep and profound feelings over what has been a difficult time in their life, it's not acceptable. So you're actually fulfilling a very important thing, which is giving women a voice in this area. I hope so. As doctors and nurses and um, family support workers and social workers and everybody who's involved with women throughout their journey from discovering their pregnancy through either to having that child or to ending the pregnancy in abortion, I think we have to listen to the voices of the women because it is the women that you know we are here for and if we don't listen to the, their voices we're again in danger of keeping in the camps the you know the two distinct poles that we have found ourselves in in the past well it fits in quite nicely with something the journal is doing which is increasing the amount of patient involvement. I mean, obviously, organisations like the RCOG and the faculty do this already, but we are really hoping at the journal in the coming months and years to increase patient involvement with patient reviewers, patient um, commentators, and just basically making sure that the patient's voice is heard throughout in, in research. So what you're doing is, is, is being supported by what the journal's doing, which is excellent. Have you anything final you'd like to say after today? It was an exciting day with a lot of people coming together. It was. It was a very exciting, uplifting and really empowering day and I'm really glad that the journal is looking at um, including the women's voices and I don't think that you will have much difficulty in getting women to talk because that was my anxiety when I embarked on my PhD research. Will these women want to talk to me? And I can tell you, they came in droves. It doesn't surprise me. Sometimes it's just asking the question and making it possible it is. for them to talk. I'm not surprised. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. It has been an amazing day and um, your work was very interesting and I'm sure that a lot of people learnt a lot and look forward to seeing you something in the future. Thank you very much Edna. Thank you Janie, it's been fantastic.